This is the last segment of Conversations with Carl and Sounds of Sunday. We go over how Sounds of Sunday was created and began syndication. How did Sounds of Sunday come about? And let's talk about Sounds of Sunday. Okay, I I came into uh, KLCE, uh, and there I discovered, well, actually, I heard KLCE in Rexburg when I was up there, and we did a thing called, uh, we did a Sunday morning show from the bookstore, Deseret Book, the LDS Top 10 Countdown, something like that. At Deseret Book in Blackfoot? You no, know, in Rexburg. We were in Rexburg oh, at the time. Oh, and so and you so did I it live heard, on location. Well, no, we actually pre-recorded it, and, and then we played it on Sunday morning. I think it was a half hour, maybe an hour. Oh, long. okay. And But I, I was kind of responding to, to Sounds of Sunday that I heard on KLCE in Blackfoot. And Sounds of Sunday, I had heard before when, I, when we lived in West Jordan because they were doing it at K96 out of Provo. And I oh, think okay. it first started like in, oh, I'm going to say 76, 77. Jim Burgoyne was working at, uh, at K96 in Provo, KOVO's FM. And he started putting on this uh, LDS music, Janice Cap Perry and Lex Diaz Avedo and the Tab Choir and so forth. And he got a re- good response from it. And this was at K96? Yeah, K96 and, and Provo. Was I think that when Jim place. Sumter was the program director? Well, he, 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 yeah, at one time he was. It was a little later. But at the time, I can't remember who the program director was. But Jim was there as a sales salesman. And he suggested, let's do, let's on Sunday morning, let's play Janice Cap Perry and, and that. And he called it Sounds of Sunday. So that's okay. where it first started. And then Jim found his way up into the Blackfoot station. He was a general manager there. And he hired me, and he was doing Sounds of Sunday there, too. And that's where, basically, it started with Jim Burgoyne. And so while I was there, I this is a little told story. I got mad at Jim one day because, Jim, you know, you get into little friction things at jobs and stuff. I sure. thought I was unappreciated. Especially so in I, radio. Oh, in radio, yeah. And Jim, like I say, this was a very short-lived uh, problem that I had with Jim. I says, I'm going to take a job in Idaho Falls. I'm going to work for Kim Lee, who is, by the way, the owner of F, of Hot 100 that we're talking about. That yeah. time he owned Z103 up there in Cozy in Idaho Falls. I'll take a job up there. I'll just quit KLC and I'll move up there, you know, or, or take the job up there. Well, I never did materialize. But in the process of all that, our ward was subdivided, not the ward, the stake was subdivided, and we ended up in Glenn Rawson's ward. So Glenn Rawson's teaching gospel essentials up on so the stage. Who is Glenn Rawson exactly? Because I didn't know who Glenn Rawson was until yeah, Facebook he was our kid, 2020. He, he was our kid's seminary teacher in Blackfoot. And I think we have seven kids, and I think probably five of them had him for a seminary teacher one time or another. And so at that time, the kids are still quite a bit younger. So they had him later. But he was teaching gospel essentials up on the stage in the Blackfoot 7th Ward. And so we go up there, and I thought, if I'm going to take this job up in Idaho Falls at Cozy, I think it was called at the time, I want to sound a Sunday up there too. But I'm going to make it better than what we have in Blackfoot. I'm going to put some inspirational stories on there. And I thought of doing them myself, but I thought I don't have the resources and so forth to do it. And I asked, I approached Glenn. I says, Glenn, would you, uh, would you like to do some inspirational stories on the radio? And I explained what I was doing. Well, yeah, I might be interested in doing that. Do you have stories? Yeah, I've got like 200 of them written up. Whoa. 
Well, I thought, well, this is the perfect guy. And when I sat and listened to him speak, I closed my eyes for a moment. And I thought, he has a radio-friendly voice. You know, it's not just a skinny little voice or some guy, a lecturer. He had a nice voice. And I thought, he would do well on the radio. So later on, I changed my mind about leaving Classy, and I stayed there. And, you know, we made up with Jim and all that kind of stuff. Jim's been a friend all these years. And so I told Jim of my idea, putting Glenn on the radio. And he says, yeah, why don't you do that? Bring him in. Let's record some. So I brought him in. It was like 1997 when we finally got around to it. July 15th, 1997. I think that's the first story. We went in and recorded one story. It's on your website. And it was, uh, yeah, it's on the website. And I think it's close enough to touch. I think that was the story on the woman that reached out for the Savior for healing when when he was walking down the street and she was healed. Oh, okay. And, And... I think that was the story that he first recorded. And I, he brought some music from uh, some of the LDS instrumental uh, tracks that he had from the church and so forth. And I mixed him in. I was able to make it sound pretty good. And Jim loved it. Yeah, put it on the air. And we did two more stories after that. And we had three stories we put on the air. And the program director was Wayne Richards at the time. And Wayne was a little dubious. Well, I guess so. If Jim says, we'll do it. <clears throat> so we played him on Sunday and we I play them every hour and every, and we had three per week that we did for a year. Every week he'd come in there and record three new stories. And I'd, it would take me probably four hours or five hours to produce three stories. His job, he wrote it up and he'd come in there and he'd mic it. And usually he's pretty good at recording. He just does it right off the bat. And I thought, I am not that good at this. I have to do several takes before I get it right. You know? But he was really good at what he did. He's used to speaking in public quite a bit at firesides and so forth. He'd come in and record that story. And then it would take me another hour or so to get music together, to make it sound good, to, to score the music underneath the voice. And then add the song after then. It was ready to play on Sunday. So we did that for a year. Then later on, Glenn wanted to keep going and do some more stories. So we ended up, now we do five stories per Sunday. We, we add in those stories. I, I bet I've recorded 480 of these, produced probably close to 500 stories by now. And we, over the years, since 1997. Yeah. By the way, Glenn Rawson can be found at glennrossonstories.com. That's right. Glenn Rawson, R-A-W-S-O-N. Yeah. R-A, yeah. Uh, stories.com. Oh, G L E N N. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And um, I didn't know who Glenn Rawson was. Well, he wasn't much of anything. He was a seminary teacher at the time. Well, no, but I I found him on Facebook during the. He's a big deal now. Yeah. Yeah, And so later on, Glenn uh, became an institute teacher at ISU for a short time. And then he, Larry H. Miller, hired him to come to Salt Lake and produce the Joseph Smith papers television series really i didn't know that yeah and so glenn got involved in that and played on byu and uh, he became pretty well known after that actually i was uh, when i started producing the stories for klce um john Hare of um 106.5 in salt lake i think it was cozy 106.5 yeah was playing sounds of the sabbath and he asked if he could play those stories in salt lake and i said sure so i made them available to him and we had to change the names, the intros to Sounds of the Sabbath rather than Sounds of Sunday. But I was able to edit that in and get it done. So that went for a long time. And that's his first introduction into Salt Lake. And that's probably where Larry H. Miller heard him. 
And so when did, that. did the sounds so you're in Blackfoot? This program, yeah. I guess, starts in '87 or '88 or longer than that. Oh yeah, that's when Sounds of Sunday started. When Jim got there, probably '80. Yeah, probably '86 or something like that. So 85. what? I guess it was an hour long each Sunday morning. And no, then... he actually had it on six hours. Well, wait oh. a minute. I'm not sure the original. He may have had it three or four hours, but I think he carried it till noon most of the time. Okay, and then so later on, later on in the '90s, he he moved it to two o'clock, so he'd play it until two o'clock, and a little reluctant to play it longer, wasn't sure how it would go over, but it got really good ratings. I mean, the ratings were really very high, probably mm-hmm. as high as any time during the week. So he got encouraged to go ahead and continue to run it longer in the day. Okay, so. I guess at first, because now if you listen to Sounds of Sunday on soundsofsunday.com, yeah, or with your smart speaker, just say whatever it is, play Sounds of Sunday. <laughs> or Sounds we'll of Sunday 24-7 from tuning. Yeah, so yeah. I guess at first it was just church music. There, I guess you probably introduced the songs. or Was somebody doing it live? Was it recorded? Yeah, you mean at KLCE? Yes. My son David was actually working at the station. He'd go in there Sundays and he got a job. And they everything was on a cart, mm-hmm. one song per cart. And it was like those eight-track cartridges, but it was like yep. a four-track. It was a broadcast cart, which was more like a four-track cart. Yeah. And they had the songs on the carts, and they just go through and routinely grab songs and play them, you know, one after the other. There was no real science behind it. Well, I think they eventually made a music log, and I think Wayne Richards had something to do with that. But it was just done live. Okay. I don't know. And, and and the available songs at the time were Janice Cap Perry mostly. Well, because I remember a station in Salt Lake, <laughs> KUTR, AMA. There yeah. seemed to be a ton of church music out well, they there. Were, that's um, correct. And I was there in uh, working at K Light in uh, before I moved to Rexburg. And I'd left Kiss and I was at K Light. And their sister station was KUTR. Yes. 860. Yeah. AM. And uh, I wasn't sure I'd go. Oh, how well it would go over as an AM station, but they made the best of it. And some people liked it. And, yeah. Um, thought it was interesting. Anyway, uh, that would have been 19. I guess the point is I, I, I was under the impression there was a lot more out there than just Janet, Janice Cap Perry. There, there was, was, there was Michael McLean. There was Kenneth Cope, those guys. Yeah. But Janice Cap Perry was kind of the beginning of it all, but you're right. There was other things out there. Michael McLean was a big deal. Mm-hmm. And and Kenneth Cope became a big deal later on. And uh, Sherry Call was in there. And uh, I know there's others I'm not thinking of. Um, the Gibbons family, which is Felicia Sorensen back in those days. Mm, mm-hmm. Hillary Weeks made her, her debut probably in the, oh, I'm going to say the mid-90s. Yeah. Into the late 90s. Hillary yeah, Weeks. I remember hearing that name. Mind. Yeah. But yeah, um, I, I, I've heard songs and I don't want to get into it because this podcast is going very long, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, but I heard, yeah, there was, I just get the songs in my head and I thought, who sings this? Because I used to listen to KUTR a lot when they were a church music station when I was a kid. I was very yeah. fascinated by you. Yeah, I didn't grow up in Utah. So when I came down to Utah, I thought, wow, I'm in the... Well, back then, <laughs> the Mormon culture. Let's. I'm going to take advantage of this. I'm going to listen to a station that plays church music, that plays firesides on Sunday. I'm really going to get a hold of this and take advantage of it while I'm here. 
It was my thought process when I was a little kid. Yeah. And I did. Lex Diazavedo was a big deal too. And Marvin Goldstein, Mm -hmm. he had a lot of instrumental songs and things. And, uh, yeah, Lex, Lex Diazavedo actually made a lot of instrumental elevator music that oh, they yeah, would he play did. on elevator music stations. Right. And that was a big deal with FM 100 in Salt Lake yep. and KBIG in Los Angeles and around the country. It was pretty trendy at the time, which oh, is yeah. background music, you know. But okay, so the Sounds of Sunday, I guess it would ju- it started out, you know, you play the Janice Cat Perry or whatever and say, this is Janice Cat Perry, Jesus was no ordinary man, now here's this. And then you started inserting gospel messages around the time of July 15th, 1997, correct? Yeah, it was, just, it was actually the 1st of August that we finally got it done. Yeah. It, yeah. And we so, had it recorded, yeah. When did the Sounds of Sunday go syndicated? And when did, obviously, you must have bought the name because. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How did that come about? When Bonneville. Okay. KLCE was sold a couple of times. We sold to Marathon Media in 97. And then it went to Simmons. And Simmons was co-owned by uh, FM 100 in Salt Lake. And I think, uh, yeah, it wasn't KSL. KSL stayed with uh, Bonneville. Eventually, Bonneville wanted to acquire FM 100 back, and they had to buy our stations in Idaho and the ones in St. George at the same time as a big package deal. And I think yep. it was $170 million for all those properties. But uh, our stations were worth probably $13, $14 million in Idaho. It's a smaller market. But they were they had to buy us to buy FM 100. And... There was some stuff that went down. I was a chief engineer. I was doing three things at the station. I was the default program director for the AM talk stations. And I was uh, also producing the Glenn Rawson stories to play on Sounds of Sunday. I was assisting with that. And it was just, you know, something I sort of volunteered to do. But when Bonneville bought us, they didn't like my profile of an employee. They sh- one person should wear one hat, not three. So they sent me packing. Out the door I went. I was basically canned after 15 years, almost 16 years there. Because I, you know, one job, one person. And they could have taken all those responsibilities away, but I don't know how it would have affected my uh, attitude. They probably thought about that. So I had a son on a mission at the time, and one, it was in high school, getting prepared to go. And I thought, what am I going to do now? I don't have a job. I took some jobs at some other stations in town around, you know, to offset till I got social security. I was 59 at the time. So anyway, I thought I've always wanted to syndicate sounds of Sunday. And when I recorded the stories, I had the impression laid off at Bonneville. uh, It was been December of 2003. Okay. And so I had always thought when I'd recorded the Glenn Rawson stories that these things were worth more than just to play in Blackfoot, Idaho, into the Southeast Idaho area. I had the impression, the spiritual impression, that they would be heard everywhere, or across the country at least. But I didn't know how it was going to happen. And at that point, it was like 2002, I'm 2003, 2004. I'm thinking about syndicating because I know Kim Lee wanted to play him in Twin Falls because he liked what I was doing and liked to put on his stations up in Twin Falls. And so he was one of the factors that got me to, to start syndicating it. And I hit some other stations, Preston, 
And uh, Salt Lake, of course, was playing the Glenn Rawson stories. John Hare came to me for that. So I provided the stories, but I didn't do the syndicated program. He had his own. Then Vernal. Um, I got him into Vernal. And they were playing there. And eventually I gave him the syndication. Was it just the stories program. or was that also? Well, the, first the... of all, it was just the stories. Okay. And then when I started syndicating Sounds of Sunday, Vernal picked that up. And so, and, yeah, okay. So carry on. How did this all get and, syndicated other than just the Glenn Russin stories? Yeah, well, I, I kept okay. thinking, I've got to syndicate this program. I just can't put the stories in between uh, Maggie May by Rod Stewart and and uh, and what other pop song that was popular. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It just wouldn't yeah. fit. Here's, here's, uh, here's Celine Dion and, uh, whatever song she had, you know, always by Atlantic star was a great, I song. could see, uh, a yeah. Glenn Rawson story being inserted in between because you love me by Celine Dion and yeah. something else, but yeah, yeah, I get yeah. Your Glenn Fry, the one you love, well, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know? And I think they, they can't stand alone in, in a pop music program. They need to be surrounded by other spiritual music. That's what I was thinking. Yep. Oh yeah. Kind of yep. like we were doing in Blackwood there, KLCE. Yeah. So I basically created a library and I, I was able to get all the music from KLC and bring it to my studio at home. They didn't mind. They had it all recorded in their automation anyway. It didn't matter to them. And Jim gave me permission to do all that. So I basically started the syndication at my house and uh, I started producing like one hour. Then I think I went to two and a half hours and I, I made them available to stations up in Twin Falls and, and uh, into, into Preston. And I can't remember who else got them at that time. There was a couple of, eventually I got them onto KLCE too, and they would play me in the afternoon. So it just kept evolving one station at a time. Uh, I was able to get them into, what were some of the first stations? I actually had one in Albuquerque. Really? Because Simmons, yeah. It was weird because FM 100 eventually switched in because they wouldn't do this format. Jim Burgoyne talked to uh, Greg Hansen, who was the uh, general manager of FM 100, and got him to, to start Soft Sunday Sounds in Salt Lake, which was basically the same program. And then we provided Glenn Ross and stories for FM 100. But then later on, a new program, direct, they were sold, I think, to Bonneville. And Bonneville... I had a pay arrangement for the stories and producing. So they'd send me a check like a couple hundred dollars a month or something, but they didn't want to pay for them, nor did they want them. So Bonneville decided that they didn't want to carry the stories anymore, you know, with soft Sunday sounds. Wow. That was probably, uh, I don't know. They, they, FM 100 wants to be everything to everyone. And we're basically pigeonholed into an LDS market with sounds of Sunday. Yeah. Politics. <laughs> how can i say it anymore although <laughs> i would imagine you could probably branch out and play something by amy grant i do i okay. well i don't you there's an amy grant song i play quite a bit uh Lori kerrigan heirlooms is written by amy grant yeah i'm talking and, about her old music 82 yeah, i don't know i've never yeah. tried to do that and i tried to stick with lds people because i think k-love won't play any of it <clears throat> k-love plays everything but lds Huh. I, they're because they want to get their contributions from the Baptist clergy. And if it, there's any Mormons on there, but Janice Capieri told me that story. She'd come up with a great new song and send it to California to be played on K love or wherever it was. And they Provo, Utah, that's where she's at. Ooh, we need to check into this. And, Oh, she's Mormon. Ah, we can't play that. 
Wow. Yeah. Okay. There was there was definitely what's the word? Uh religionism. Yeah. <laughs> Not sexism or racism. Yeah. There well, was def- here's the thing. I there seems to be a lot of division with music. You know, there there uh, I've uh, heard some great Christian artists, especially yeah. back in the 80s and 90s. Maybe you've there heard were. Yeah, you have Christian. to give them credit for that. That's true. Yeah, no, yeah, but there, there seems to be this division. You know, why can't uh, someone who's LDS listen to somebody like maybe you've heard of these people, Ray Bolts, yeah, Chris Christian, yeah, Steve Green? What What's the big Ray deal? Ray Bolts? Uh, record. I think he wrote the song. Uh, Michael no, Severn, watch the lamb. Mike, watch yes, the lamb. He did. Yeah, and we we recorded that in the KLCE studios. Glenn thought that would be a good song to play. Uh, with one of his stories. So we got a seminary teacher, Michael Severn, to record it with an instrumental track. We got an LDS bookstore, or not an LDS, but a Christian bookstore. So oh, we okay. produced that, and that's how it gets played, Ray Bolts. You're right. There are some things that 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 are appropriate to play. There's no question. Yeah. I think you might ask the converse question, though. Why do they have so much opposition to playing LDS music on their formats? And yeah, but I've seen like, it both ways. I've seen, yeah. oh, I, I can't listen to this guy. He's he's Christian. Well, yeah, yeah. but he, I, yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's a tough call. I basically don't play a lot of that music because I want to have time for the LDS artists. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, there's a couple things. Jackie Ivanko, I don't think is LDS. But yeah, she she does a good job with a couple of her songs. And I don't, I play it once in a while. You know, yeah. I don't know. It's a it's a hard call because I get a lot of music from a lot of people, and I would like to give the emphasis on LDS uh, producers and singers. So, how do you determine? Okay, so I I guess we're done talking. Uh, do you say want to say anything more about how this came into syndication? Or yeah, it was a slow, gradual process. Talking to stations, would you like to play it? I had to talk mm-hmm. them into it, and they finally played it. Yeah, it's interesting down in Arizona and Sholo. Oh, that okay. Was, that was quite an ordeal getting it into there. Oh, and I'm really? going to say that occurred probably in the ooh, 2010. Oh, wow. Okay. I don't know, eight or 10 or something like that. And I remember, uh, because I knew that the concentration of their listeners were a lot of LDS people in the Sholo Snowflake area. They have a temple in Snowflake. Oh, yeah. So I talked to the program director. He was not LDS. He was a good guy. But... I, I talked to him and I says, well, you want him to play an hour of it or something? And he thought, decided to do it, even though the general manager who was LDS wasn't in favor of it very much. He wanted to play sports. That was into his thing. He didn't appreciate the music that much. Oh, wow. But this on the LDS program director decided to start playing Sounds of Sunday there in Sholo on, uh, on uh, Magic 101.7, 101.7. And so... He was able to pick up a sponsor from the local cemetery, the non-LDS cemetery that wanted all those Mormons to be buried in their graves. <laughs> Isn't wow. that funny? So they wow. would be the sponsor of Sounds of Sunday there in Sholo. Uh, and so eventually he played all five hours. And it fit pretty well there. It does okay. And then the, the guy out of Safford, his name was Dan Curtis, he had the Safford station in Arizona, and he was, I guess, uh, the CEO. What do you call it? He was over the general manager in Sholo. 
and he'd travel around. You know, he'd go to both stations to make sure everything was okay, check out the operation and everything. And he heard Sounds of Sunday on Insholo. And he said, we'd like to play that in Safford too, on Magic 100.7 in Safford, different station. I said, sure. And as it turned out, they play at 10 hours in Safford and only five wow. hours in Sholo. So, okay, that's what we have today. Yeah. So it, <laughs> it migrated. Yeah, so just a slow process of doing this. Do you get a lot of response uh, nationwide? Because I would think outside of Utah or maybe even outside of the Intermountain West, you would probably have people appreciative of the sounds of Sunday. Let's say somebody's back East. Yeah. Doesn't do. get a lot of exposure to LDS music. I'd imagine you get a lot of emails from back East or. I get a yeah. few here and there. Yeah. Um, it's interesting how the internet station started. Yeah. Let's um, get into that. A fellow approached me who was uh, the son-in-law of a guy I knew in Bismarck on my mission. His name was Steve Reed. And his oh, dad, okay. was a, dad was a branch president in Bismarck back when I was on my mission there. Steve Reed later on got a recording studio, moved to Idaho. He moved to Brigby and set up a little recording studio in his house and did some recording. And his son-in-law came to me and said, we ought to maybe have a streaming station. I haven't even considered doing that. And so we got a computer together. Tori Parkin, a good friend of mine in Pocatello, put a computer together and started streaming Sounds of Sunday. And first of all, it was done at Jim Burgoyne Station in Idaho Falls. He had some extra streaming computers there. And so it started there. And then we eventually took custody of it. And I put it in my own studio. So that's how that, that started, you know, with the doing Sounds of Sunday 24-7. I hadn't even given it a thought till he approached me with this idea. And uh, so anyway, uh, it's been going ever since <laughs> so as a streaming computer. And I get responses from a guy in Australia. He sends me an email now and then, and he's thankful to listen to it there. And a guy in Indiana is always emailing me back and forth. Are these Makes members? You... Are these non-members? Oh, yeah, I think they're, or... they're members. They're members. Uh, yeah. do, do they have ties to Utah? Were they from Utah? And... Uh the one in Australia, I think, had been raised in St. George or somewhere down there at one time. Okay. The guy in Indiana, I don't know that he does have tie to Utah. Um, I just hear from various people from, you know, various locations. Um, I had a girl, I got a contact. Well, he used to be on BYU Radio at one time. BYU Radio took it off because they were going all talk or something. And they've never put it back on. So I don't know. But at that time... There was a girl in California that heard it on BYU radio, not on the 24-7, but on BYU radio, who was in my ward growing up in Linwood. <laughs> thought, oh, wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah. Same guy. It's me. <laughs> the same little weirdo that you knew back then. <laughs> huh. So okay. it's funny the people you hear from, uh, they're just random. You don't know where they're going to come from. A lot of them are out of the coverage area of in the station. So they listen to um, uh, Sounds of Sunday on Alexa or Google Home or, you know, one of the pod devices apple i find that there's probably i think i get more response from the internet streaming than i do the stations i'm not sure if that's yeah. because i have more listeners there or what the reason is not sure what the reason is for that but i know that the listening is significant on 24 7 yeah now let's uh 
the words sounds of Sunday, I think for the longest time, I thought they were just generic. Yeah, I got it. I got the trademark on it when it became available. I got the and national trademark. When on was it. that? Oh, probably 10 or something like that. Okay. So I heard sounds of Sunday on a radio station in Manti. Yeah. Doug was, Barton yeah, has had that. He's had that that uh, that program title for years, and Doug's a friend of mine, and I own the name, but he uses it, and I don't care. Go ahead and use it, Doug. You're a good guy. Okay, I I do so, want to get that because there's people. Yeah, who might, um, I, it's I a little confusing to listeners because they don't know what they're hearing sometimes, and I wish there were some um, contrast so we knew which program you were listening to, some identity further identity on the Manti stations. I can't change mine much because it is what it is. Yeah. But uh, he's had that name for so long and he's such a wonderful man. Yeah. He would sponsor the Manti pageants up there. Stake president, Doug Barton. He owns the stations up there in Manti. Um, anyway, that's the, I know there's one station that I asked to quit using it because I was going to put another station in their market and they graciously did so and changed the name of their program. Okay. Um, so how do you determine what gets played? Cause obviously I don't think it's gut feel. I, there's no way for me to know. I listen to a song and I keep thinking this has a hook to it. It's catchy, whatever. And I have two rotations of music that are major, the A's and the B's. Now the A's play at the top and the bottom of the hour. Generally, those are the highest rotation of music. And I figure they're the blue chip songs. In the uh, in the radio days of playing pop music, we we had similar rotations in place. Uh, you'd play the most popular songs the most often. You might turn them around every two and a half hours or so, or maybe three or four hours, depending on the station and the market. The Bs are older songs; they're not played quite as frequently, but they're played quite quite often, and they're played at the quarter hours, like quarter after, quarter till, usually somewhere up in that last quarter of the hour, there'll be a B comes up and they are mainstays, things that you will never forget. Older songs. I walk by faith is a good example. Uh, a lot of the Lex Diazavedo time to love songs are in there. I love Lex Diazavedo's a time to love. Mm -hmm. We can have it all and have it forever. A time to love. If it's love. Uh, those are beautiful songs. Lex, Lex is just a, uh, that's a masterpiece of time to love, as far as I'm concerned. The Last Touch, that's a B. I play that once in a while. Now, the A's come up about every two and a half weeks. The B's rotate in about every three and a half weeks, something like that. Mm -hmm. The rest of the songs are more random. Tabernacle Choir have two entries per hour. Some are the newer songs, and the others are the older Tab Choir songs. And I can't tell you what the rotation is, but I think... The newer songs routine in it probably every month or something like that. And the older songs, maybe every couple months, something like that. Interesting. If you put some songs way back in the mid to late eighties on there, I, I don't know the song titles. I just know some. Yeah. Of the well, those are in the B's quite often. They're in the B's the eighties. Yeah. Okay. What are you thinking of? Well, there's a song that had the lyrics faith and hope. It was a lady that sung it. I don't know who, I don't think it was Janice. Sounds Cap like a Perry. Janice Cap Perry song. Are you sure not? Faith I, and hope. Da, 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 da. Oh yeah, I think so. Da, da, da. I know. I think I know that song. Faith. That's hers. I'm not sure. 
I didn't it, sound like her suggest. I have to think on that one. There's I, another song I remember hearing. Might be on, Michael McLean. That might be Michael McLean. Yeah, I can't remember. It was that. a lady who sung it though. Yeah, Michael I know. But McLean he, may have Michael McLean it. didn't sing much. He was a songwriter, just like yeah. Janice Cap Perry. She didn't yeah. sing much either. Um, there was one that that uh, KUTR would play back in 1988, I believe. It's talked about uh, Nephi building a ship. Yep. I uh, can't remember. I just remember you know Nephi. Nephi. We know uh, it's you primary can build song. A ship. I think. No, it sounded too upbeat for that. I know I'm playing Book of Mormon stories now, Brett Raymond. Oh, no. I, I avoided that song for a long time because I wasn't sure what to do with it. And it's it's because it's kind of rock-based. It's a little bit rock-based, you know, I thought. But they, I went to my son's ward, and they were playing it in the primary. I thought, why am I not playing it? I Is there talk- anything else that uh, <laughs> you want to talk about or anything I may have glossed over? Well, um, I don't know where this is all going. Uh, I feel that I've basically consecrated the rest of my life to doing this. Well, it kind of uh, goes back to what your grandmother said, uh, doesn't it? About how you can use you yeah. know, use your talents for good or something. In the, well, I've always know. thought of media as being a way to um, influence people toward good. And then the music was definitely part of that. And, and the messages that you put on in audio and radio, I'm not into video, so... Uh, all I do is audio, but that can work to influence people. And I get messages back. I get emails back from people. One lady was up in Canada, just sent me a, a text that told me that she played the music for her patients at a hospital and they all love it. Really They're inspired by it. And I thought, wow, I wouldn't it to me. Um, I don't feel it like as much as they do, but the problem is with this, you get too close to the trees and you can't see the forest. Yeah. It, you're you're just too close to it to really appreciate it the way other people do. If you hear it too much, it almost becomes old to you. And yeah. and and that's true with being a DJ on the radio. All those hit songs that people request, you're so sick of them you don't want to hear them again. But you know that they're hits, and that's what people want to hear, so you play them. Yeah. So when you get when you get too close to the, and you get too close to the forest, you can't see the trees. I guess I had it backwards one way or the other, but, uh, uh, that's the problem I have. And, and so I'm so close to it right now. I don't necessarily see it the way other people do or hear it the way other people do. And yeah. I try to get back into that frame. You know, I do that weekly when I produce the show, you know, I like to listen to it again and, and, uh, indulge in the music and the message of Glenn. Glenn to me makes that makes the show um, I don't know if the show would have existed without Glenn. I don't know. That's basically. Can I say I was, something about yeah. Glenn real quick? Yeah. I don't know why, but whenever I hear him speak, he reminds me of someone that I would eat tacos with at my house at lunchtime. I don't <laughs> know probably, why. You probably would. <laughs> I don't know why. He just always has, the, whenever he speaks, I always have the image of eating tacos at my old house yeah. with Glenn Rawson. <laughs> I'll have to tell him. Am that. I the only one who thinks that? No, he's a pretty, he's a pretty ordinary guy. But I always, I'd always, I always have to think of tacos. I don't know why. (laughs) Tacos. Well, put some Cholula sauce on there for me. Yeah. (laughs) Green Cholula, habanero. I love hot sauce, man. Oh, I do too. (laughs) Yeah. The biggest problem I've had is uh, the autoimmune disease that I got about nine years ago. It's called myasthenia gravis. And I'm not very many people get that. 
but it affects your muscles. It makes your muscles weak. It makes it hard for me to stand up and walk right. It makes it sometimes hard to speak. So I do a lot of editing on my show, and I don't think you can really tell. Uh, no, I can't. And the edits, and like right now I've been speaking, I haven't edited anything we've talked about in this podcast, but sometimes it's hard to pronounce words a little bit. And that's my, the thing that's affected me the most. I didn't used to have this problem 10 years ago, but I do now. But that's what happens when you get older, have to stay humble. You know, something has yeah. to make you humble. So I guess that's what it is. Yeah. And then losing my wife last December has put me into a different dimension. You know, I'm in a, a different well, life now. Um, 50 years together with her and seven kids and everything. So it's just a new adventure in life. And I, I, I look at it this way. If President Nelson can lose his wife and President Oaks can lose his wife, little for me to think I shouldn't lose mine. Yeah. And, you know, I know that it wasn't anything that the Lord cursed me with or did anything. It was her time to go. That's all there was. And, yeah. uh, and so it's just a new chapter in life for sure. I know I'll see her again one day. You know, we were married in the temple and that temple marriage is binding now is the day that we, we walked into the temple. Yeah. So. Well, is there anything else you want to come? By the way, stay with me real quick at the, uh, I got something to talk to you about, uh, but is there anything else you want to talk about before I end the podcast? No, that's everything. I appreciate uh, all the support that we receive from sounds of Sunday. It's, uh, yeah, makes me good, know that what I do is show. Well. Yeah. I, I think Thank it's you. very interesting that I found out about you accidentally. <laughs> Seems how it goes. <laughs> yeah. All right, folks, I will talk to you later. Thank you for listening to the last segment of the episode Conversations with Carl and Sounds of Sunday. Don't forget that you can listen to a side conversation we had that was part of this episode about LDS Church music, the future, and our opinions.